Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. Alexander Arnold, Sadio Mane, and Fabinho has put it away. And Liverpool lead. Well, they had to grind out the results at Turf Moor, but Liverpool made it four wins out of four, and the chase at the top continues. And of course, there's a trip, a return trip to Milan on the cards. We'll be looking into that on today's pot. I'm Steve Hoversall, and on the red agenda, the Athletics, Andy Jones and Stephen Beacom. And uh, we start at Burnley, somewhere that Andy, you're very familiar with. I think. I think it's probably what you'd call a typical away day at Burnley. The conditions and everything that was experienced when Liverpool went there yesterday. Yeah, no, it was about as stereotypical as, as you can get. I mean, it certainly works to Burnley's advantage when things are like that because of, of sort of the way they play and, you know, no opposition side relishes going to, to Turf Moor in, in the wind and the rain and, and trying to sort of grind out the results, especially with sort of the way Burnley have... I've been playing recent weeks, sort of getting back to that solidity to make, making them really hard to break down. Yeah, it was one of those that, that was always going to be tricky, I think, from from Liverpool perspective. And, you know, to, to sort of see them come through that battling type of performance, I think there's going to be a few few of those needed between now and the, and the rest of the season. Yeah, people might question, Stephen, why the weather conditions can play such a part, but... If you go to Burnley, you, you soon understand. I'm, I'm sure you've been to your fair share of grounds where the weather has played havoc. Certainly, Steve. And um, as Andy said, there was wind, there was rain, but Liverpool got through the wind and rain and we still have hope in our hearts for the quadruple. <laughs> we know it's um, a slim, slim hope because winning one trophy is hard enough and um, uh, thinking about four seems a bit crazy, but Liverpool are still battling on all fronts, which is an incredible achievement as we enter the middle of February. But um, uh, Liverpool... We still love what they can do. There's no question about that. And that result yesterday against Burnley was huge. It really was. It just keeps the momentum going. I was looking at some of the facts and figures before I came on. And that's now six wins out of six in all competitions. Unbeaten in 2022. And five clean sheets in seven. So that's a magnificent start to the year. Sometimes you have to grind it out, and that's exactly what Liverpool did. But that shows another side to their character. It shows another string to their bow. You can't always win games by playing free-flowing football. So to get that result, I think that's going to give Liverpool confidence going forward. Squad depth is an absolute luxury for Liverpool at the moment. Jürgen's virtually got everyone available. And, and he went strong, Andy, with what he had. So Salah playing, Mane playing as well. Henderson also returning. Yeah, no, it's nice, isn't it? Just to sort of uh, have those sort of selection dilemmas to to sort of discuss before the game, and you know what midfield are you going to pick? Who's he going to play up front? Whereas when you compare it to last season, where you were sort of 
you knew exactly who was going to play and, and half the team didn't really play in the positions that <laughs> you needed them in. So, um, yeah, no, it was it was nice and I, I expected Klopp to sort of go quite strong because, you know, he does respect Burnley. You see the way he talked about them before the game. He knows it's a tough place to go. And I think he, he looked for that experience and, and, and looking at those players who've been there and done it before because it was always going to be that type of battle, really. Um, and, and you look at the, sort of the, the experienced names he uses, you know, he leaves Diaz out, for example. You know, Mane wasn't supposed to play. I think I think Jota was, was going to be in there, but, you know, Mane comes in and, and does really well. And that midfield eventually got control of the game when, when sort of Burnley's, you know, it, it had that first bit of steam in the first half, but eventually they calmed it down and, and were able to, con- to control the game second half, the majority of it. And Burnley's threat sort of reduced as the game went on. And, and I think that was the key. It was about sort of, you know, putting out those fires, I guess, early on, because uh, I think you, everyone knew Burnley were going to try and come out the traps. So to have that experience and have those wealth of options to then re- look to replace, to be able to bring on a Thiago, for example, who, who you know comes on and can you know controls a game by himself and you know dictates the pace of it. Basically, to have those types of changes is just it's just a luxury at the moment, and it, it you know moving forward it, it looks good because of those rotations you can have and and keeping everybody fresh and especially when you are you know fighting on on all fronts in, in in all competitions you can't play perfectly every time and i suppose ultimately it was just about the result man city had put in the expected goal return hadn't they Stephen, the day before at at norwich i think we all started watching that thinking oh maybe norwich will eke something out and then city just do what they do so the questions were asked immediately of liverpool can you still keep pace here the questions have been asked continually actually because city have been playing before Liverpool. They have been going 12 points clear and Liverpool have been hauling that back to nine. Still with the hope. We win our game in hand, it goes to six and then you have to go to City later on in the season. Win there, it goes to three. I know these are all ifs and buts, but um, it's something to cling on to. And fantastic for Fabinho yesterday to score the winner. He is becoming Mr. Prolific, isn't he? You know, you've got Jota who scores virtually every time he goes onto the pitch. And now you've got Fabinho, who's doing the same. Five goals and seven, boys. He's turning into Ian Rush before our very, very eyes. It's fantastic, <laughs> this, because I've always seen him, and you know this, Steve, I love him as our comfort blanket in the midfield. But now to add this ingredient to his game as well, absolutely brilliant. He's, he's one of the star men, one of the men that Klopp will put on his team sheet first, and particularly in a big game like that against Burnley. I just love the guy, I really do. I think he's he's been one of the best signings that Klopp has made. You know, everyone talks about Alisson and Virgil van Dijk. I would argue that Fabinho maybe should be in that category as well. He has been so important to what Liverpool have been trying to do the last few years. And um, uh, long may he continue stepping up because it was shaky in that first half against Burnley. And I did get the feeling whoever scored the first goal was probably going to win it. Even from about 10 or 15 minutes in, it had that feeling of a 1-0 match. And Liverpool got the goal much improved in the second half. Um, As Andy said, we took more control of the fixture and then saw it out. Without too many alarms, it has to be said. Now we can just keep looking forward. Had Liverpool dropped points at that match, listen, the title race would have been over. But we're keeping City honest. We're the only club to do so. Everyone else has fallen by the wayside and you have to give immense credit to Liverpool for that. It's another two-horse race, isn't it? The goal itself, 
it looked like it might have been something off the training ground, Andy, the, the flicked header from Sadio Mane, which was really effective. But what was brilliant about Fabinho's goal was the way that the, the first opportunity was saved, but he followed it up. He had the hunger, desire to actually get that goal. Yeah, it's great reactions, isn't it? And it's it sort of, I think he showed a somewhat similar goal sort of against Leeds earlier this season. He seems to seems to have that instinct in the box, doesn't he? Which you probably wouldn't associate with with somebody, you know, who plays in the sort of defensive midfield number six role. <laughs> yeah. No, but he does. I mean, yeah, it was it was a good, well worked corner routine. He managed sort of steps out, doesn't he, near post and, and flicks it on. And I know Sean Dyche was very disappointed with with his side in, in terms of the defensive line they were holding. But Liverpool took advantage of it, um, and it was it was that sort of typical scrappy goal that you'd expect, you know, Burnley to to score rather than Liverpool. But those are the types of games where you take anything. I mean, Liverpool went the free flow flow and best sort of going forward. I don't think so. That's when you need sort of other players to step up, and and certainly Fabinho has has done that this this year so far. And yeah, no, it was a really well well worked goal. Fabinho makes a really well timed run, um, and then. You know, after that first one doesn't go in, it's it's great reactions to then just just stab it home again. So yeah, no happy days, and hopefully, you know, you never know we'd be challenging Mo Salah's uh, golden boots <laughs> at the end of the season if he keeps, he keeps his rate up. He can't finish third in the goal scoring list, surely, surely, Steve Stephen would love that, wouldn't he? He'd be doing cartwheels. <laughs> that would be brilliant, actually. Uh, it's worth pointing out, boys, though, that one of the most impressive things for me. And um, joyful in many respects on on Sunday was whenever I looked at the bench. I'm going to read out these names. Kelleher, Kanate, Simakas, Milner, Thiago, Oxlade-Chamberlain, Luis Diaz, Elliot and Jota. What a bench that is. You know, if you think about some of the, the times over the past few years, we've been wondering about the bench and Jurgen Klopp has obviously had to bring in a lot of the young lads. When you look at what he had on offer there to, to come on and change the game, that is phenomenal. That Every single one of those boys could easily be in the first team. So that gives me real hope for the future. And also just the way that the, the team approached the match. You could tell that them they knew they were going to have to fight. They knew they were going to have to battle. And then um, maybe one piece of class or one set piece would do it for them. Klopp said that um, it was a potential banana skin, but Liverpool didn't slip up. And that was the most important thing coming out of Turf Moor yesterday, that Liverpool kept going. And 2022 has been absolutely phenomenal. Obviously, Salah is back from the African Cup of Nations. Mane played for the first time since he won it with Senegal. He is looking lively. He wants to win trophies. And Salah is looking as hungry as ever to me. So um, it all bodes well for what is going to be an incredible end of the season. I just can't wait to see what happens. I think it's going to be a thrilling end of the season. And um, it's so exciting for all Liverpool fans right now. And you talk about the bench. Players like Curtis Jones, Minamino, Joe Gomez, not even getting on the bench. Because initially I, I thought, where is Curtis Jones? And then, just like you, Stephen, I was going through and thinking, well, actually, there isn't a place for him here on this bench. Yeah, and Curtis Jones is one of the classiest players you're going to get. But um, uh, I have to be honest, when I I look at um, what we had on the bench, I think Klopp chose perfectly because um, every single one of those boys could have come on and done a job against that Burnley team. And the strength and depth now has grown 
considerably. And bringing Diaz to the club in January, I think um, a very, very shrewd move because he is the type of player who offers something different. We saw that in his debut against Leicester, that um, this is a guy who um, has got confidence, he's got belief in his own ability. And more to the point, he has eased into that squad as if he's been there for several years. It's brilliant to see. I think um, Liverpool's squad allows you to do that. I think there's a real togetherness in the dressing room. And Jurgen Klopp brings people in very, very well indeed. We move on to the Champions League next. But in the league title race, we're still in this. We really are. And um, uh, hopefully we can keep this run going and take any advantage of Manchester City slip-ups. doesn't look as if they're going to slip up at the moment, but they're not going to win every game from now to the end of the season. So uh, Liverpool just have to wait on that, be patient and strike when the time comes. And just on the squad depth thing, uh, check out James Pearce's article at the moment on The Athletic. Uh, Klopp has never had a Liverpool squad this good. Really good read. Is that how you feel about it, Andy? Is it as good as he's ever had? I think I think he might have said in his pre-match press conference, well, that should be the case. That's that's what I've been working towards. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think it is in terms of the, the quality and, and also the depth and... I mean, you mentioned those names. You didn't even, you know, make the bench. I think there's probably going to be some headaches for Klopp in terms of trying to manage, manage everybody because you know everybody is sort of at, at at that level where they would expect to be in at least a match day squad. So to sort of have to sell a few of them that you know they've trained all week but they're not going to be involved. You know, it's going to be quite difficult. I think. I, I suppose it helps that you know still being in all all competitions and a one's only a final, but you know you've got that opportunity to you know rotate a little bit, even just who you put on the bench. Um, but I think it, it, what it what it does is it allows that flexibility to sort of you know pick and choose more on on, on who you're coming up against and, and what opposition you're playing and what strengths you know you want or what weaknesses you want to exploit and and that'll then help dictate of, of who you want in the central midfield area if if you like if you want more ball players or you need more energy for example or an up front you know if 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 you want someone like Diaz who's, who's shown he's well he's more than capable of causing Premier League teams problems already with his early performance. And then that, you know, do you want your false nine in Firmino? Do you want your natural goal scorer Jota playing as that number nine? You know, it's, it's so many different options and you can just use them in all different ways to to basically pick what, suit, what you think is going to suit the opposition. And then, you know, even if that doesn't work, to have that, that quality coming off the bench. I mean, the striking options at the moment are just, you know, unbelievable. And just to have those those different options, that, that depth, so I think in the past when you brought a Salah off or you brought a Mane off, you thought, mm, you know, you, you can see the sort of that drop off in quality. Whereas when you bring a Jotter on and and you know when you bring a Diaz on, you know, there's there's not that you know significant drop off anymore. And and, that, and that's that's the exciting thing when when you can, you know, you can bring off you know Henderson for a, a Thiago or whatever. <laughs> it's, you know, it's not it's not not many managers in the world would turn a nose up at, at sort of being able to make those types of substitutions uh, every every week. And Andy, we still have Divock Origi to come back, so happy days <laughs> with that as well. It was another game, Stephen, in which um, Alison Becker excelled. We, we've said it a few times this season, and we waxed lyrical about him. Uh, denied Veghorst once, twice, forced Corne to waste a, a chance as well. It, it was big in the game, wasn't he, Alison? Exceptional. In big moments, big players come to the party. And Alisson has been wearing his party hat a few times this, this season and he continues to deliver. There's not much more you can say about Alisson in terms of the quality that he produces, 
But I love his character. He's the type of guy who gives confidence to every single player around him. And he also intimidates the opposition. And whenever you're running through, he, um, whenever you're seeing Allison up against it, you're thinking twice as if, am I really going to score against this guy? And while Allison is in form, he really is the best in the world. He's fantastic at playing football, for starters. He is like having another outfield player in the game, and that's what you need from your goalkeeper these days. And when big saves are required, he comes up with it. You know, um, there was two or three times never Burnley breached the Liverpool defence, but you always had that feeling that Alisson was going to make the saves. And I just think it's so important to have a world-class goalkeeper in your ranks. And we're lucky to have Kelleher as well as the number two. So um, we are very, very well placed in that position. And defensively, to have five clean sheets and seven, that shows what we're all about as well in that area of the pitch. And I thought Van Dijk yesterday um, was supreme. I think over the last few weeks, he's shown just um, how good he is. So you've got the best goalkeeper in the world, and you've got the best defender in the world, and you're going to need them because there will be huge challenges ahead, starting obviously at the San Siro on Wednesday night. So um, uh, things are looking good in that department. And all over the pitch, things are looking really strong because... As Andy was saying there about the striking options, it's phenomenal. It really isn't. They're all different types of players who are going to get you different types of goals and who are all desperately hungry to score goals as well. But even against Burnley, I noticed the unselfish nature of um, the likes of Mane and Salah, which sometimes I think is taken for granted. I always hate it. I've got to be honest, boys, and I've hated it for for about a few years now, whenever people have been talking about it, that um, they talk about Mane and Salah being selfish in front of goal. Well, for starters, I, I tend to think they choose the right option 99% of the time. So if there's a shot on, they'll take it. But if there's a pass on, they'll deliver it as well. So, um, yeah, it's looking good, boys. It really is. And with a few months left this season, and let's see how we can finish it off. Now, you say that, but right at the end of the game, there's a chance for Jota... But it was a weak pass from Salah, wasn't it? Whose fault was it, Andy? Should Jota have scored it or should Salah have put a bit more weight on that pass? Well, I think you could argue both. I mean, to be fair to... I think it's James Harkovsky who gets back in. It's it's a phenomenal challenge, to be honest, because I think when you look at it, when Salah passes it, he's miles out the picture. Well, not out the picture, but certainly miles away from, from it. So probably the, uh, the way to pass... If anything, but then could Jota have just taken a touch and as he usually does, sort of somehow swivel his way, you know, away from a few players. So, um, yeah, no, it was well, it was one of them. It would have just been nice, wouldn't it, to kill off the game more than anything else? Because you know, when it's one 0 Burnley, you're always still in it, and you can always just have that one chance. A little bit like the Leicester game, really, and at Liverpool had, you know, loads of chances to sort of kill it off, and then took took a bit longer than everyone would have liked to to sort of get that get that second. But yeah, no, I, I think it's fair fair to say that. Uh, next time, hopefully, um, I'll, we'll put a bit more on the pass, and uh, you know, equally, Jota will, will put it away, and you know, the the relaxation can begin a little bit earlier. <laughs> in, in in terms of Burnley chances, Veghorst had a massive one, didn't he? Where he ran the length of the pitch, and then he just made the worst decision ever, Andy. Yeah, no, it was. Um, I couldn't quite believe it because his finishing. I've watched a lot of him since obviously Burnley have started. Well, we're linked with him, and then I've obviously brought him in, and his finishing has been one of those that things that you sort of. You didn't need to think about because it's always been so good, and you, you watch him in warm ups, and you know his finishing there is brilliant. But 
it got it all wrong. Um, you know, it was a really well worked Burnley breakaway. Liverpool sort of were, were all over the shop a little bit, and then he he got through one on one and just sort of. Well, I don't really know what he tried to do because the shot wasn't even going in. No, um, it, was, it was so it was so sort of bad, really. And yeah, and there was no pace on it. Whether it was even going to reach the goal, and obviously that allowed Trent, I think, to to come back in, didn't it? But um, there was a few sort of worrying signs. It was a really difficult game to sort of judge. I think first half because. Burnley created a lot of openings, but then the offside flag went up a lot. It was one of those games where you sort of felt Burnley had been, you know, had had a lot more chances than, you know, if the offside flag had gone up when it should have gone up, really, other than the, the rules where you've got to keep it down. You know, those chances might not have, you know, formulated. Because I think Corne and Vegas, both themselves, were caught offside a couple of times. Or I think there was a few tight ones where the flag eventually went up, but... Yeah, that that sort of it could sort of skew things, kind of, um, a little bit, and you know, if if those flag that flag goes up straight away, then they don't have the shot, and then you know, Alisson doesn't make a save or stuff like that. I think Liverpool certainly tightened up second half because Burnley sort of really struggled to get that type of joy again in that second half, whereas in the first half, they sort of they play. I thought they played Liverpool's line well. I say they played Liverpool's line fairly well. Liverpool's line was very good in the end because they did keep catching them offside, which is what you want and that's what it's designed to do. But yeah, no, but every time uh, Burnley did get through to Alisson, he was he was there to to, to, to thwart them and uh, not give them any any chance to even celebrate or have a look on, on the offsides on VAR. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Right, so from Burnley, Turf Moor to the San Siro, <laughs> polar opposites, Stephen, I don't know. Anyway, and how ironic that Liverpool were there in the, in the last group game in the Champions League. And here they, they are this week back at the San Siro to face Inter. Liverpool could have got an easier draw, but I think the, the fact that Liverpool beat AC Milan in the San Siro, you know, it should give them hope and um, confidence because when you do well at the ground you tend to have a good feeling about going to that ground the next time around. And that result gave Liverpool six wins out of six in the group stages, which was a phenomenal achievement. Salah and Origi scored that night from memory. Um, something that I really remember from that night was um, Connor Bradley from Northern Ireland coming off the bench because that meant history for Liverpool Football Club and Northern Ireland. Would you believe that Connor Bradley that night became the very first Northern Ireland player to ever play in Europe for Liverpool Football Club? Connor obviously has had an enjoyable season, but he's not going to be involved on Wednesday night because the squad is so strong. 
And it's going to be a tough match for, for Liverpool because Inter are going really, really well in Serie A. I've got something to tell you, boys, because I looked this up and it amazed me. So Liverpool and Inter Milan are both in second position in their respective leagues. They've both played 24 games. They've both won 16. They've both drew 6, lost twice and have 54 points. Remarkable. Isn't that incredible? I couldn't believe that when I was reading it last night. I was stunned by that. But it shows you that in their division, Inter Milan are in the mix. And they've actually a game in hand on AC Milan. And if they win that, they go top of Serie A. So this is a very, very strong team that Liverpool are playing. They won't take it for granted, that's for sure. But I think they'll go to the San Siro with a real good feeling in their minds and in their hearts that they can do something. Because the last time they were there, they left a happy bunch. But it's going to be tough. There's no question about that. The group performance is definitely a statement that make other teams like Inter Milan very very aware of the quality that Liverpool have got, Andy. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, it was nice to sort of have that. I mean, it was last, last season as well, where... We sort of had a few games to sort of just enjoy Champions League football without, you know, a lot of ride on them towards the end of those the, the, the group stage um, because we were so dominant in it. And you saw that every other team sort of take points off each other and, and struggle. And it was it was nicknamed the group of death, wasn't it? And Liverpool, you know, absolutely flew through it really, really easily. And that puts everyone on notice. Uh, it's fair to say I don't think anyone would have wanted Liverpool in that, in that draw. I don't think Inter Milan would have been too happy to, to see us, us come out the ass. But yeah, no, it's... It, I'm looking forward to the game. To be honest, I think it's you know Inter Milan have shown that they've they've got a lot of quality in, in the side and and even when you know they, there was a lot of up, upheaval in the summer, wasn't it? With you know they lost Lukaku, they lost Hakimi, they lost Conte. There were question marks, financial question marks as well. You you thought that might sort of you know they've won the league and and it might sort of start a little bit of a decline, but you know they've they've made some really really good signings. Ed and Jacko is certainly at the ground and there. I think and. Um, you know they've still got a lot of quality in there, and you know shown by by getting this far in the tournament and being up there in in their own league because it's it's quite an exciting Serie A title race. I think I think there's there's sort of two points in it between three teams, and none of them are Juve. So you know that that's an interesting one to watch. But um, you know it's it's gonna it's gonna be you know the atmosphere is gonna be hostile, and it's about Liverpool sort of with the first leg being away trying to take the sting out the tie and and bringing a you know ideally a you know a lead back to to Anfield. I love it when the competition gets to this stage. It's interesting when you were saying about Connor Bradley grabbing your attention from that first game. The thing I remember from that first game is is Nat Phillips and his Cruyff turn, Steve. Yeah, Nat has moved on, but um, that Cruyff turn will never be forgotten. wonder if Virgil van Dijk will be doing any Cruyff turns <laughs> in midweek. Um, whatever uh, happens but- in his career, he will always be noted for that. Yeah, and um, uh, listen, Nat Phillips did a brilliant job for Liverpool and we should all thank him for that. Absolutely phenomenal. But in terms of um, uh, Inter, they do have really strong striking options. Like Dzeko, quality player, has been for years. Obviously, Manchester City title winner. Martinez, another top player who's been scoring goals left, right and centre. And moving back the pitch a little, Perisic. He's been class for years. Vidal's another one that I've admired from afar. So um, uh, Inter Milan will will fancy this as much as Liverpool are going to fancy it. And um, on home turf, they'll want to be coming to Anfield with a a lead. There is obviously um, the fact that Inter Milan and Liverpool's history 
um, caused a huge stir in 1965. Um, uh, this was one for your older listeners and maybe one to, for the younger listeners that we can educate. But in 65, Liverpool were in a European Cup semi-final. They just won the FA Cup for the first time. The atmosphere inside Anfield was absolutely pumping because Shankly had the brilliant idea to walk the FA Cup around with the players before the match. So the place was jumping, going crazy. Liverpool won the first leg 3-1, went over to Italy thinking that they um, going to reach their first European Cup final. What happened? Controversy all over the place. Inter Milan won 3-0 with some of the dodgiest goals known to man and um, got through and Liverpool players after that said they felt cheated by the outcome and some of the decisions. Sadly, VAR wasn't around in 1965, <laughs> so um, Liverpool didn't make it through to their first final, but um, 12 years later, of course, Liverpool won their first European Cup, and now in 2022, they're going for number seven. So um, uh, they looked brilliant in the group stages to Liverpool, and if they carry that form on, I believe they can beat Inter Milan and go one step closer to seventh heaven. Just on that 1965 one, the legendary and late Ian St John, a great friend of mine, used to go on about it relentlessly, saying how the referee was corrupt, uh, you know, and he, he had various stories about... I think, he, I think he said something about how, I don't know, one of the players actually kicked the referee in the tunnel after the match because it, was, it had got to that stage, the players couldn't believe it. Uh, there's been some great head-to-heads. I was in the San Siro for Torres' winning goal. The 1-0, which was amazing. I just think it's an amazing cathedral. It, it really is. And, and hopefully, fingers crossed, Liverpool get through this stage. What, what do you think, Andy, in terms of the wider picture of the group stage now? We've got Paris Saint-Germain against Real Madrid. That stands out. But the, the English sides, I think, look like, once again, they could be dominating this come the end. Yeah, no, and I, I mean, when you, when you look at it, I think probably the best teams in, in Europe, most of them do come from, from England. When you sort of look at, at City and, and Chelsea, um, United, you don't really know what you're going to get with them these days, do you? other than probably a 1-1 draw. <laughs> That's their, their theme at the moment, isn't it? Um, but yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think if Liverpool can progress, I think it's likely that you're probably going to come up against at least one English team. If, if you want to get to the final, you're probably going to have to face at least one of them, mm. maybe even two, to maybe one in the final. But you saw it last year, you saw the strength that you know, Chelsea and City being in the final. Liverpool, you know, obviously had the, the problems and with the with the defenders and, and injuries and stuff which which obviously halted their progress and I think with a fully fit squad they probably would have, you know, seen off Real Madrid, um and with a, a full crowd at Anfield as well. That clearly made the negative impact, I think. Um but you know, to to have the crowd back for, for the two legged Champions League ties, this, this these are the special nights, aren't they? And um I, I can't wait for, for the return leg, to be honest, to, to get back inside Anfield. But now you're right, it's you know, it's it's such a strong group of, of English clubs at the moment, especially though that top three, uh, Liverpool included, of course. So, yeah, I think you're probably going to come up against one of them. Uh, I'd be surprised if not all of them, but at least three of them don't progress, and then you, you sort of you can get them in the draw again. So, yeah, let's let's wait and see. Let's let's get past into first. <laughs> Stephen, you you started the podcast off by talking about the quadruple. I don't talk about it in case I jinx it. I mean, that's not realistic, is it? No, it's not realistic. Um, I, I kind of say that to amuse myself, to be honest. <laughs> um, uh, uh, um, uh, and it's become a, a running joke with some of my friends over here about me talking about a quadruple. But listen, 
impossible, I would say, to win all four. We've got a great chance of winning the League Cup in the final against Chelsea. I think that's 50-50. The FA Cup, it's about time we had a run on that, so we've got a shot there. Winning the league title is going to be extremely difficult because although we are still in the mix, obviously City are favourites, and the Champions League, the quality of teams in there is so, so hard. If we win one trophy, I think it's a successful season. You'd obviously want want to win two, um, and the, the league title and the Champions League being the, the, the ones that you prioritise. But you take what you get, Steve, don't you? You know, and um, right now... Liverpool are in a position where we can win trophies and that's all we can be grateful for. The squad strength is fantastic. The manager is phenomenal. I think the togetherness in the squad is as good as it's ever been. And the quadruple, you listen, you know what? If Liverpool did win it, we would be called the greatest team of all time. There's no question about that. And no one, but no one could argue about that, which would be fantastic for the fans, wouldn't it? Andy, are you feeling greedy? What would be success? I'd like two cups, I think, when you get to this this point. But it's it's so difficult because you just don't know what type of draw you're going to get, do you? That's, I mean, in the FA Cup, it looks like it's going to be a strong sort of, you know, last you know quarter if we get through Norwich, so that sort of sixth round. Looks like it's going to be a lot of a lot of really good teams. And so you just don't know, do you? You know, you could get a you know shitty away in in the next round, and then suddenly you know, you sort of the the quadruple doesn't look as as likely, I guess. But I think definitely you want one cup at least. I think at this stage, I think you're right. I think the leagues, you know, going to be difficult. Um, the Champions League's always difficult to win, but Liverpool have got plenty of experience, and and with a packed out Anfield, you can never rule them out of any tie, no matter the score. And then you know the FA Cup, yeah, you know, depends on the draw, but. Liverpool have got a squad now where they can keep everybody fresh. They've got so much quality that there's no reason why they can't continue to chain out these wins and you know and keep progressing in, in tournaments. And obviously, the further you go, the the more the more likely it is. I think it's it's going to be difficult, but I think you know one cup definitely in, in the position that they're in. Um, I think if if you were if you were to come away from the season empty-handed, you'd be very disappointed. But uh, you know, ideally, you know more than one would be uh, would be very nice. Guys, you've been absolutely uh, terrific. Uh, thank you, Andy. He's still defrosting from his day out at Burnley. Uh, Stephen, a joy as always. Loads of great stuff on the Athletic, looking at Liverpool's uh, victory over Burnley and, of course, that squad depth that currently exists. Thank you for listening to the Red Agenda. It returns after the intergame. We'll see you then.